Hey, really glad to have you here again. I'm Jack, one of the pastors here. And uh, last week we started a series uh, called Life on Mission. And everyone starts with motivation at the beginning of the year. And we wanted to look at this idea that actually, actually, mission is much stronger and greater than just mere motivation. Because motivation has a tendency to kind of fade. We looked at this idea of all throughout the scripture, often what we're told is, as followers of Jesus, that we need to be people who are on mission in how we live our lives. And we walked through a little bit of the why behind that last week. And tonight, I want to try something uh, I've never done before. I want to try something that I think is hopefully really practical and helpful to you. You were given a napkin and a pen when you came in. If you didn't get one, you could grab one on the way out, and you can kind of take this. That We'll get to that in a second. But I want to look at this idea, in fact, I'm so glad that you're here tonight, especially if you're a guest with us, it's a treat to have you here, and I hope tonight you kind of hear something about the clarity of the message of Jesus that maybe cuts through some of the clutter and the chaos that you've known or that you've seen in the lives of other people who say they're followers of him, and, and look, we're not perfect, uh, but I hope tonight you kind of hear the clarity of God's story in a way that makes sense to you. And for the rest of us who are followers of Jesus, I hope tonight is a night that kind of stirs your heart to try something here in 2016. And I'm glad that you're here, but what I want you to do is pretend you're not here. So for a second, I want you to kind of forget the stage, forget the lights, forget the instruments, if you will, forget everything else. And I want you to kind of put yourself imaginary, kind of we're hanging out at Starbucks, or we're hanging out at a coffee shop, we're, we're there having a conversation. Maybe you're there with a friend of yours. If you're a student, maybe you're there with another student, you're like, hey, you know, how's the summer job stuff? That was horrible last year. I'm looking for this for, and you're talking about maybe summer job. You're talking about that class that you're taking, the test that's coming up. You're talking about your fun and your friend and how funny they are in the Instagram picture they put. And you're just kind of talking about normal, everyday things. Maybe you're a guy, and you're there, and you're having coffee uh, with a friend, and you're talking about sports, or you're talking about cars, or a sports car, or you're, uh, you're talking about vacation, you're talking about uh, a challenge at work. Ladies, maybe you're there with a friend, you're having coffee, and you're talking about shoes. I don't, you like shoes, but I don't actually know what you talk about. I just know you have a lot of words. <laughs> and, but you're talking about stuff. You're talking about your friend. You're talking about your friend, the struggle they're going through, and how you want to help. You're talking about kids. You're talking about how crazy your husband is, and you're talking about all the stuff. Now, you're talking about normal, everyday things. And then somewhere along the path, it takes a turn, and the conversation kind of takes a turn towards spiritual things. What do you do in that moment? How do you feel in that moment? In fact, I put a little poll on the version app that you can kind of take. Do you, do you feel nervous? Like if someone, maybe a friend of yours, they're just having coffee, talking about sports and normal stuff, they're like, hey, you go to the church, right? You're like, oh, why'd you bring them up? It's been a couple weeks since I've been. Well, what do, you, what do you think about this stuff going on in our culture? What do, you, what do you think God has to say about that? Really? Are we going there right now? Maybe you get nervous. Maybe you get scared. Maybe you look at a conversation like that and you, you go, Jack, I hate when a conversation goes that way because I, I don't know enough. I, I don't feel like, I feel like if I were to step into that conversation that, that I'm going to mess it up. 
Like, I just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I, I feel like I'm actually going to do more damage than good. Maybe some of you get really excited about that turn in the conversation. There's something about it that means something to you. But what happens when that begins to occur? You may want to steer away from it and get the conversation back to something that's normal. You may feel intimidated about that. You may feel the same way about that conversation as you do like in junior high when the teacher says, pop quiz. And you freak out. You have a mini freak out moment. But here's what we know in the scriptures. What we know as a follower of Jesus is that we are called to share God's story. Period. That we are a good news people who have been rescued by the good news and the grace of Jesus and we are not to stockpile that just to ourselves. We are to share that with other people. And no matter what emotion you may feel in the moment, my hope tonight is to be able to help you deal with the potential opportunities that come your way. Because they will come your way. And for you to step in maybe a little more confidently, maybe uh, a little bit um, better, have, feel like you have a better footing around it, and to be able to answer and, and step into that conversation when it takes a turn. I know that it's scary. I know that fear may be a part of that. But what we know throughout the scriptures is that we are to step in to those moments. In fact, look with me in 1 Peter chapter 3. Here's what it says. Here's what the Apostle Peter says to us. It says, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Make him the main part of your life. He's the big deal. He's on the throne. He calls the shots. Set him apart on the throne of your heart. Always be prepared. Not sometimes, not when you feel like it. Always. Everybody say, always. always. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness, respect, without a bullhorn, without being a jerk about it. I would add in those. That's what Peter's saying. Look, always be prepared to give an answer to the hope that you have. Because the hope that you have is steering your life. And people might see it. And there might be conversations that come your way. And I hope tonight, listen, you are never commanded to save anybody. Listen, you can't. And neither can I. But we are to be people who share God's story with other people. Now, most of the time, I think what Peter's getting to here is this is in the context or in the backdrop of a relationship of a relationship that's established and is with you. That um, often, I, I take my kids in between like picking them up from school and to dance class, and we'll stop, we'll get a little snack or so, we're sitting at KFC, I don't know why, judge me later. Uh, we're sitting there, and we're having a little time, and we're talking, and there's laughter involved, and we're having a good time as we get ready to go to dance class. And then a lady, uh, who's a little bit older, walks by me, and she hands me a piece of paper and says, you should read this. It's about God. And I thought in that moment, I don't know you. Um, and I'm having a moment right here, and now you've ruined it. And I'm sure you're nice. I'm sure Jesus loves you. I, I'll take your paper. I'm probably not going to read it. I'm good. Um, 
I'm a pastor. And I didn't say that, but I wanted to see that's like a trump card you can play right there. But I was like, okay, okay. But here's the truth. I felt awkward in that moment. And I'm a preacher. Like, I shouldn't feel awkward in almost any moment. I'm there, but the reality is I don't know them. And, and they don't know me. And the, the truth is often... It, we create awkwardness when it's outside of a relational context because the message we have is a highly relational one. It's not about a religion. This is about a relationship. And this is about opportunities when conversations begin to take their turn. Now, as we get ready to share this, and I get ready to walk you through this, I know some of you are sitting here and you're really, like, uber excited. You're not telling your neighbor because you don't want to be overly weird about it, but you're, like, kind of excited because you're like, hey, I, I don't know if I'm ready to do this, but I'd like to be able to do it. It'd be cool. Some of you are like, really? Seriously, Jack? Do we have to talk about our faith? Like at coffee? I'm not awake when I'm drinking coffee. I don't want to have coffee. This is bad. Can't we just live our lives and let God work out? And everyone do what they want and let God work it out in the end? And the answer to that is no. No. You can't. Peter says, always be prepared. Not sometimes, not when you feel like it. Why is he saying that? Because this message matters. It can change the eternal zip code of people forever. And it matters that it's shared. It's mattered that it's told. Not just, hey, I hope my lifestyle will help accentuate this and people will just catch it. That's good, but it's not enough. Always be prepared to give an answer to the hope that you have. You want to share with people in the context of relationship. How do you share? I love what Mother Teresa often said. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's what we talked about last week. It's investing in people. It's loving well. And as you do that, as you have these conversations, somewhere along the line, my hunch is they will take a spiritual turn at some point. And in that moment, I hope that what we talk about in the next few minutes helps you not with a telemarketer plan and a pitch job, but with real authenticity and the realness of your life to be able to share God's story and maybe a little bit of your story. So, in the context of that, it's important for us to, to understand. A lot of people have a, a misconception that, and why you push back about this when you're feeling like, hey, do we really have to have spiritual conversations? Do we, do we really have to talk about this? Can't we just everybody live their life and let God figure it out? And the answer is no. It's because most people have an understanding that, hey, there's a, there's a good God up there somewhere. And, and the way for me to get to a good God, a way up in a good heaven, is for me to be good. And that sounds really good, doesn't it? That the way for me to get to a good God in a good heaven is just to be really good. Well, how good is good enough? Well, it's probably better than I was last year. It's definitely better than I was last week. It's definitely better than the person next to me. It's just, if I'm just better than them, then God will work it out in the end, and it sounds so good. But the truth is, it's false. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. 
This isn't a good contest. This isn't that I hope my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff and I hope I'm better than you. That's not what this is about. This is about saying, no, there's a message of hope that needs shared. And I've gotten the opportunity to share this with a few people. I've gotten the opportunity to share this at many funerals. And so my hope is that this verse, there's a couple really key verses in the Bible that you can utilize. This one I think is highly relational. I think it's a really good place to begin. And here's how I would begin this, okay? So let's just pretend we're at coffee, we're having this conversation, and the conversation begins to turn spiritual. We have a little bit of conversation going about that. And then maybe this person asks me about, well, what do you think about God? What do you think about the Bible? What do you think about all this stuff? And, and somewhere along the line, and, and when it feels right, and when I sense that God's kind of saying here, I might say, hey, you know, what if I could sum up the entire Bible? Like, there's a lot of the Bible, right? I don't know if you've ever held one. It's kind of heavy. Uh, and there's a lot of books in it, and it seems complex, and it seems confusing. But what if, what if I could pick a, a verse in the Bible that, in a nutshell, kind of in a snapshot, gives you a picture of God's heart for people, God's intent for the world, God's kind of mission that he's on. If there was one verse in the entire Bible, and I could share that with you, would you be interested in hearing about it? And maybe they're like, oh, okay, I'll be okay with that. And I said, well, I bet you've probably already seen it. In fact, you, you may not even know that you saw it. In fact, it may have pricked your curiosity. You were probably watching football at some point, and somewhere along the line, maybe in the back where the goalpost is, there's this guy or this woman, this person holding up a sign, right? And they were holding up the sign. So on one part of the napkin on the front side, I would just put this. I would put John 3.16. I said, you've probably seen that guy holding that sign, right? And maybe you wondered, I wonder what that means. Who's John? Like, why? Is that his phone number? Area code? I don't get it. Why is the dots there? And, and maybe you didn't know. Like, even like when LeBron James, you know, they were in the finals and then Steph Curry had to beat him. And I know it takes a team, but those are the two cool guys. Uh, but <clears throat> they're there, and it, and it goes to the sports center desk afterwards. And I don't know if you saw this. There was a person, like, standing behind the final game, like, for half an hour, right behind the sports center desk with a sign, John 3.16. And maybe you've seen that. And I think in a lot of ways, that verse can sum up the entire Bible, can sum up God's story in a snapshot. And so what I would do is take over the other side of the napkin, and I would write out John 3.16. My wife has much better handwriting than I do. And so I would just say, I think this verse is really key. And I think it sums up kind of the story of God. And there's a lot more to it. It's deeper than just this. But I think in a lot of ways, if people just got this, it's a great place to start investigating what God's really like and who he really is and what he has to say about life. And I don't know what you think about when you think about God. So I just underline. And a lot of people have misconceptions or misunderstandings, often thoughts about God. God's a big meanie. Why does he let the world continue to stay broken when he can fix it? I get it. There's a lot of questions there. A lot of questions I have in the world. There's a lot of things that I see go wrong, and, and, and I wish God would step in, and it doesn't seem like he does. And I got my questions. A lot of people see God as like this cosmic cop, right, who's just waiting for people to mess up. Or this giant authority figure in the sky who's got the clipboard 
And he's just marking down every time you do something wrong. A lot of people think God's kind of like that. And they don't like it. And they feel like they're always being judged. Some people think God is like this old grandfather type figure that had a lot of power at one point, set everything in motion, then got dyslexia or got you know, dementia, got uh, Alzheimer's or something, just kind of walked away from it all and said, you all figured it out. And that's why the world's such a mess. There's a lot of, a lot of things people think about God. You, you might think about God, that maybe God's holy, or God, that God's pure. That God has to be different than the evil I see in the world. Like the whole Star Wars thing before, it's like, maybe there's something about that God seems like he has to be different than just the evil I see in the world. And what if, what if God really is like that? What if God is pure and holy? And, and in a way, he said, you know, I, I can either let people try to figure out how to get to me, or I can set a plan in motion to let them know that I love them, to let them know that I care, and I'll create a way for them to have a relationship with me. And here's the turning point. And so I just box this in. God so loved. God didn't hate the world. God doesn't hate the world now. God doesn't hate you. He doesn't hate people. God is motivated by love. God, God loves. In fact, he loves the world. I mean, the whole entire world, like all of humanity, every single person. So, like, if you were to draw the world, like the whole world, he loves. And, like, here you are, like, you're on the world, okay? You're, you're on the planet, there you are. You're much buffered than that. But, like, God loves the world. God loves you. He just loves. He's motivated by that. And so, he set this plan in motion. Because when you love someone, you give people. That's what love does. Love gives. You've probably been a recipient of that in your own life, that people that loved you well, they just gave to you. And sometimes it wasn't always the good fluffy stuff, like it wasn't just the $100 bills here or there. Sometimes they gave you some tough love. Sometimes they gave you like some encouragement. Sometimes they gave you some challenge. But you knew deep down that they really cared and that they loved you. And so, man, God loves you. God loves the world. And so it gave. Because that's what love does. Love gives. And he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him, that's the interesting thing is, a lot of people want to know, okay, how do I get to God? How do I, how do I work my way to God? How do I become good enough? That's what we're talking about. How do we become good enough? And how good is good enough? So what do I have to do? And I think God knew at the very beginning that there is no way in our imperfection and our brokenness that we could ever work our way to a perfect and holy God. And so he set this plan in motion out of deep love that he gave to us. And he gave us his son. That those who would believe in him, you know, most of us spend a lot of times believing in ourselves, believing in our effort, believing in, in our things that we can accomplish, the things that we can do. And see, that's religion. Religion is all about what you do. And how good you are, how much you can produce, and can you be better than someone else? But that's not the plan God gave. He didn't say, believe in you, believe in your production. He said, believe in him, his holy son. See, the fascinating thing is, you want to know what God's really like? Well, you get to know the son. And then you'll know what God's really like. 
And maybe some of the misconceptions you've heard or things that you hold on to, maybe the sun really is the perfect reflection of who God is. Because he is. And he's trying to show us a way that we can have a relationship with him that's not about what we do. It's about believing in. So you sat in that chair today because you believed it. You exercised faith today. You, you didn't walk up into this coffee conversation with me and like just go, well, I hope this chair holds me up. You just sat down. You put faith in it. That's what believing in is. It's, it's trust. It's putting your faith in something. So God says, those who put their belief, their in the sun, well then they shall not perish. They, they get to have eternal life. God loved, so God gave. And if you believe, you receive. God loved, so God gave. And if you believe, you get to receive. You get to receive eternal life. And that's not just like a Willy Wonka ticket. We're like, you cash it in at the end of time, like, hey, it's going to happen, woo! No, eternal life is about life now with God. It's life with God in the here and now and the ever after. It's life now through the end. On into beyond what you can ever get your mind around. Long after this life is over, your life is still going because you are meant to have eternal life. And friend, I think in essence, I can sum up the whole Bible. With John 3, 16. The next verse is really cool, too. I'll just tell you that one for free. Um, John 3, 17 says that, that God sent his son, Jesus, into the world not to condemn it. You know, most people think that um, religion's about condemning, God's about condemning. Uh, but Jesus wasn't sent to condemn the world. God says in John 3, 17 that he sent his son into the world not to condemn it but to save it. Not just the world, but you. He, he didn't send the Son to condemn you to save you. And that is God's story. A snapshot. God loved, so he gave. And if you believe, you get to receive. To have life with him. Saved and rescued. And what we know, friends, as the church today, that we are a rescued people in order to rescue people. We are a rescued people who are meant to rescue people. It's a challenging and simple invitation, I think, that helps people understand really what it is. Now, I know sharing this in a matter of, what, six, seven minutes that we just took? I know that can be scary. But you can share this on the back of a napkin. And even if people have questions, even if people are still asking questions, you know, statistically, here's what I know. 70% of people who are followers of Jesus will never share their faith with anyone. 70% of people will go to heaven and never bring anybody with them. That should be humbling. And I, and I get it, because I know I know the fear factor of everything that comes up. Jack, you don't understand, like, I, I can write on a napkin, I can memorize that, and just, my handwriting's horrible, and I, I, well, if they're going to ask me questions, 
They're going to ask, and, and I don't know, I don't know enough. I'm not you, I don't, I go to the Bible, I don't die. They're going to ask me questions like, how many sons did Abraham have? <laughs> They're going to ask, like, did Adam have a belly button? Where'd the dinosaurs go? What about the end times? And I don't understand. I'm not you, preacher. I get it. I get it. Look, I don't know the answers to some of those questions. I don't know if Adam didn't have a belly button. I wasn't around. I don't know where the dinosaurs went. I don't know how old the earth is. I don't know how many stuff actually did. Um, I don't know some of those answers to questions. But see, you don't have to know the answers to those questions in order to share God's story. You can share God's story on the back of a napkin and say, you know what, I don't know answers to all those questions. I'll, I'll ask people, you can come with me, we'll try to figure it out. But why don't you just keep this? Why don't you just think about it? I'm telling you, that story, God's story changed my life. So I used to be a guy. And this is where you can turn the napkin back over to that John 3.16 side, where you can say, this is my story. See, I used to be a guy who was searching for significance and happiness and contentment, and I tried everything. And I couldn't find it. And then someone told me this story about this guy, Jesus. And I began kind of getting curious about it and searching him out. And I'm telling you, since I've come to the place of believing in him, I have found significance and meaning and purpose in my life. That's your story. I used to be this. I used to be stuck in this. I used to struggle with this. I used to. And then I met Jesus, and now I am. Does that mean all my questions are answered? I never have to struggle again. But it means I've found a hope that not, not I just hold on to, but this hope has a name. His name is Jesus, and this hope actually holds me. That's what I found. And I found this verse... God's story to be true. That's your story. And in a simple five to ten minute space of a conversation, you can be a person who can be brave and be bold. This verse can change someone's eternal zip code. And we need to be part of the 30%. Not the 70% who would just climb up and were silent. But always be prepared to give your sense. To give a reason to the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. Do it with this idea that you get to have. Now, I know sitting in this room, as we kind of make our way toward the end, we're going to worship a little bit. I know there's two types of people sitting in this room. I know one of you, you're sitting here in front <coughs> You need to accept this. You've been the person who's been believing in yourself all your life. And you're hearing the clarity of the gospel and the hope and message of Jesus, maybe in a clearer way than you've ever heard. And you've never come to a place where you said, you know what, I'm tired of believing in myself. I'm going to actually believe in Jesus. I'm going to give that a shot. Because I'm tired of where my life is going. There's some of you here who need to accept this, and you need to do that tonight before you leave. So we're going to worship in a little bit. 
And we're going to do communion, and we're going to have the rest of the service, and Brian's going to close us. And I'm telling you, before you walk out of this room, you need to come see me right now. I just want to celebrate with you. I want to give you a Bible. I want to lead you through maybe a simple prayer where you could say, hey, I'm tired of believing in myself. I just want to believe in Jesus. I'm going to put, kind of go all in on him. Now, the rest of you who are here, some of you need to accept this. Some of you, most of us, need to share this. We need to be people who are be brave and, and be bold enough to say, look, I don't know a lot, but I can sum up the Bible in the first. Would you want to hear it? And when the conversation begins to turn that way, that we be people who would step into those moments and share it, that we'd invest in people, and that we'd have opportunities to share, we'd share, and we'd invite people to say, why don't you just come hear about this? See, two quick things to close with. Uh, um, a statement and a story. The statement is this. The power is not in the presentation. The power for this is not in the presentation. Hey, wow, you're a preacher, you talk for a living, you do this. The power is not in the presentation. The power is in God's word. Because God said his word will go out and it will not return void. The power is not in the presentation. You're going to try this. You're going to actually get the guts someday to say, hey, I think I could sum up God's story in like on a napkin. And it's like, was it Habakkuk 4-2? No, what was the first? I can't remember. What was John 3-16, okay? Like everybody's kind of seen the picture. Let's go with the football guy. Oh, yeah, John 3-16. And then you're going to go and you're like, okay, listen, I want you to take out a pen. I want you to circle the word the. No, no, that, that's not the right word. I, I don't, what, was, what was that guy said? I heard it. I sat through it. What, listen, the power's not in the presentation. The power's in God's word. And as you just share a simple verse that maybe captures the whole story of God, that you say, hey, look, why don't you just think about it? Well, we can talk about it later. But I'm telling you, this verse has changed my life. And I think it could help you too. Because there's something behind it it's not just words on a napkin. There's power to it. Scriptures say these words are alive and active. God's already been at work in that person's life that you're having coffee with long before you showed up. Long before you ever rolled in. He's been at work. And so the power is not in the presentation. The power is trusting in God's word. I, mean, I think this story, I think... You know, I heard someone share this story a while back, and uh, it's a story, I don't know if it happened, happens in heaven, but I think it, it proves this point. It nails something, I think, home for us that we can hear. And it's the story of, of the angels who greet Jesus as he returns from earth, returns from what they've known that he's gone through, as he's been beaten and been crucified and in the tomb, and he's resurrected, and he comes back, and they see the scars, and they know what's going on. They kind of surround Jesus and say, Jesus, are you okay? Like, we knew what you wanted. Are you okay? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. Whoo! Kind of a sigh of relief in these group of angels, and one of them speaks up and says, so does everyone know? I mean, does, does everybody know how much you love them, how much you care for them, that you, you died, you gave your life as a sacrifice? And so does everybody in the world know now? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Not everybody knows yet. I mean, I, it just kind of happened. And, just, and so that angel's like, well, uh, how are they going to know? Like, what plan did you put in place that 
that they would know how much you love them, how much you care for them, and that you died as a sacrifice to save them, and they would find forgiveness in their life through you, and, and how are they going to know you, Jesus? And so Jesus is like, well, you really want to know? Okay, gather around. I'll tell you. <clears throat> I told Peter, and I told James, and I told John, and a few other people. And I told them, ready? I told them to tell people. <laughs> and I think you laughed a little bit. I think in heaven, there was a really long, awkward silence. The kind you've had at meals before where people say something, and you're like, what are they to say? <laughs> Did you hear that correctly? I think the angels are whispering a little bit. And then one angel, the brave one, who's always bold enough to say what other people are thinking, says, Jesus, <clears throat> you're Jesus. <laughs> you got a good plan. What if people don't like that plan? What if people get tired of that plan? What if like 100 years from now or 500 years from now, people say they want a new plan? Do you have a plan B? Like, do you have a backup? What's, what's the plan then? And I think Jesus, if we can see in between heaven and earth and the connections in this moment, I think Jesus would say to you, church, to me, exactly what he said maybe in that moment. No. <laughs> There's no plan B. This is the plan. <coughs> That's it. I'm counting on them to share with people who will then share with people and then share with people. And you sit here today because someone shared with you. And we're invited into God's story, into His plan to share. And friends, as a church, we want to live by this mission, not a motivation, a mission that we are about inviting people into a life-changing, life-giving relationship with Jesus because we got invited into And rescue people, what? Rescue people. And this is one way that when the conversation makes a turn, you can maybe step into that moment in an authentic and real way don't be cheesy, don't be canned. It'll take practice. It took me practice. It was nerve-wracking the first time I did it. But just be you. And say, look, what if I could share God's story like in one verse, and I'll tell you a little bit of my story. Would you want to hear it? I think most people do. I think we could just wait for people to share. And so, Father, <clears throat> What an opportunity. What a mission that we've been invited into. To share your story. To be people who are the rescued ones. Who turn to try to rescue others. Who, to say, hey, we want to live by a mission, not a motivation. As we take communion here in a minute, as we sing a couple songs. I pray, Father, uh, with great gratitude. Thank you that we live in a country 
where we can share your story on that. With no fear, maybe hesitancy in our own self, but it's our own self. It's not fear of any persecution. Thanks for that. I pray for those that are sitting in this room that need to accept this truth. I pray that your Holy Spirit would hound them in a loving way. Say, tonight's your night. You need to come home. You need to come home. They'd say yes to you, Jesus. For those of us here that are trying to live by a motivation of serving you, I pray that you would instill and breathe into us a mission that we would always be prepared to give an answer to the hope that we have. That we'd step into those moments that you create opportunities and moments this year in 2016 where we can be bold and be brave, maybe risk a little bit of our reputation so that we can change someone's eternal destination. Would you guide those conversations? Would you help us be an inviting church? Because we got invited one day. We got to rescue. And rescue people just turn and rescue others. So give us boldness in that as we remember the life, the death, the resurrection of your son Jesus. May that, may his example, may his grace empower our ability to share your truth.